Wow, what a story. Good morning. You know, some of you may be able to identify with Michelle. Um, some, some things that she said is that all she knew was fear. And that was an identity, and, and, and that marked some of her behavior. Well, we're in our series, Resilient, and we're going to talk about things. Sarah did a great job of laying it out. We're going to talk about things that we're dealing with. And I don't care if it's a childhood memory like that. I don't care if it's snakes or spiders. I don't care if it's public speaking like Matt Raven. Um, All of us, all of us can identify in some way with fear that's gripping and that can, can, can impact us at such a great, great level. Michelle Barr actually works in our kids ministry at the Champions Campus. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to see staff members. One, it helps us get to know different staff members um, at different places throughout our church amongst the four campuses. But the really cool thing is we will get to see people who are in ministry, you know, who often probably get put up on a pedestal like they've got it all figured out. But what we're going to see is they struggle too with the same things you struggle with. And that's important because the enemy wants us to think that you're alone. But when we see that, that, Not only do we share some of these challenges and these obstacles, we also share the solution, which is in God. Amen? Amen. Well, would you, you probably already turned there, but Isaiah 41, verse 8, Sharon did a great job of reading it. Um, You know, we're going to talk about fear this morning, and while you're getting there, I want you to know that I am not Alec Brunson. (laughs) Pastor Alec, you might have said, man, I confused you. Well, thank you. I've been working out. I've been trying to get thinner. Um, would you, would you pray for the Brunson family? They are at home, got a touch of the bug. Um, and he called and said, Chris, would you cover me? And I was honored to be here. Um, just so you know, I love doing this. Um, but anytime that I can serve our pastor in this way so that he can be at home and rest, I, I'm glad to do it. Um, but with your prayers, I know the Lord will, um, touch them and and bring them back better than ever. And I just want to say hello to the Brunson family online and to all of those that are joining us online. We are glad that you're here. Fear. Fear is what we're talking about. Fear can manifest in a number of ways. Fear of rejection, acceptance, possibly your body. Can I be vulnerable with you for a minute? I have a fear and I hate it. It's an embarrassing fear. And I thought that I probably wouldn't share this, but I I will. I hate going to the beach and taking my shirt off. Why are you laughing? I I just said I'm trying to share something with you. But I'm extremely self-conscious. Can anybody identify with that? I hate it. To the point that it's caused me to miss out on things. You know, I went to Israel and there's a place, the Dead Sea, it has such a high salt content that nothing sinks. In fact, everything floats. And everybody was in there just floating in the Dead Sea, but not me. Because my fear kept me away. And there's not very many uh, um, regrets in life that I have, but that's one that I was there. I traveled to Israel and I was there in the Dead Sea, but my fear kept me from enjoying something. Well, I bet that there's fears that you have that are embarrassing, that are secretive, that are keeping you from enjoying something. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. My wife has a fear of roaches. Again, y'all are laughing. This is really gonna be a tough sermon. Um, 
So much so, I remember when we were dating, I, I put a picture of a roach on my screen. And I said, hey, can you come look at this? And I did not realize to what level. She actually has a phobia of roaches. And this phobia is something she's even seen a counselor for. I mean, it literally is crippling. And between me and you, she actually becomes a different person when a roach shows up. I remember one time we were, we were walking into a, a building and, and there was kind of bushes on either side and this little roach came you know, scurrying around because roaches scurry. And she jumps on my back and I'm trying to stamp it out, you know, like I'm trying to, trying to stamp it out. And, and the thing was fast and it got from one bush to the other and it was gone. And I'm thinking, great, crisis averted. She rear backs and punches me and says, you didn't try hard enough. I was like, what are you talking about? And I, man, I'm telling you, roaches make her a different person, but it's a fear that she has. And all of our family know it. And then her brother often will bring roaches around just to get a reaction. But as funny as it is, this is not funny to her by any stretch. It terrifies her. We, we were going to go to Hawaii on our honeymoon, but somebody said the roaches are big in Hawaii. <laughs> we did not go to Hawaii on our honeymoon. Spiders, snakes, heights, public speaking, even the future, maybe a prognosis by the doctor, maybe test results. All of these things set up our sermon today. Looking back at verse eight, verse eight says, but you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corner saying to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. I want you to know that verse eight starts off with three names. It mentions Israel, Jacob, and Abraham. And these names are actually identifiers as who God is speaking to but I want to challenge you this morning. They're really reminders that God is speaking to them and he's speaking to us. Let me break that down for you. But you, O Israel, Israel means governed by God. So this is the nation of Israel. And we know God has chosen Israel to be set apart for himself. And he's saying, I'm talking to you, Israel. And we have to understand, we're starting at verse eight. But if we were to look back at verses one through seven, the conversation really starts in, your Bible may say the coastlands, but it really can be translated distant lands. God is speaking in verses one through seven to all of the other nations. And he says, you strengthen up and you come, get ready to have court with me. Come talk to me as to why you trusted other gods, why you put your faith and, and, and you're, you're surrendered to other idols in your life. And so the conversation is really talking about other people who serve a different God. And now in verse eight, he's talking to us who serve God. He's saying, Israel, I chose you. Israel, you're set apart. You are to be governed by me. But then it's interesting because then he says, my servant Jacob. Now, Jacob is a different name. Remember, God changed Jacob's name to Israel. But you know what the definition of Jacob is? It's conniving, untrustworthy, and con man. Remember, he tricks his brother for his birthright. Well, God says, look, I've chosen you, but you need to understand it's not because you deserved it. It's not because you've earned it. And, and God is doing this on purpose so that he can set the table. He's saying, listen, you are mine. I've chosen you. It's because of me. It's, it's, it's my decision to choose you. 
But he doesn't leave us there at Jacob, kind of like, a, I'm going to call you Israel, governed by God, but Jacob, you untrustworthy, conniving person, he then takes it for the third name, and he says, I chose you, Abraham, a friend. Remember, God called Abraham out, and he said, I am going to bless you more than the stars of the sky or the sand of the sea. And he says, I'm going to call you a friend. There are three times in scriptures that we see that God calls Abraham a friend. Here, the first time was 2 Chronicles 27, and the third time is going to be in James 2, 2, 3. And, and the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. So here God is putting some reminders. Remember, this is in context to those who don't know God, but we know God. I have taken you from the ends of the earth and I called you. You are my servant. I chose you and I didn't cast you off. You see, Israel's special place before God is because of God's initiative, not because of Israel's achievement. It's the same with you. Well, you might be saying, hey, Chris, this is, this is a, 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 God is speaking to Israel. Can we really apply this to ourselves? You see, at the end of that video, you know what Michelle said. She said, God took a woman who only knew fear and he turned her into a fearless woman. But see, this is a conversation to Israel. Well, I want to share a passage out of the New Testament where we will hear this same language. Jesus is going to repeat these very same words in John 15, 14 through 16. He says this, you are my friends. See, God used that same language. If you do what I command you, no longer do I call you servants. God said the same thing. For the servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I've called you friends for all that I've heard from my father. I have made it known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. These are Jesus's words to be applied to us. He has chosen us. He calls us friends. So when we think of fear, we need to be reminded that God has chosen us. We are not like those who don't have God. And when we approach fear, we need to remember we have God on our side. When we face fear, sometimes we just need to be reminded who God is and who he calls us friend. Looking at verse 10, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. When I take a look at verse 10, you can't help but notice there are two commands and five promises. That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? He asks us to do two things. He's going to give us five. It reminds me of David. You know, when, when David gets like a $20 bill, you know it's real easy to give him two $1 bills for his 20 and he thinks he got a good deal. But this, God ain't trying to trick us. He's gonna give us two commands and then he's gonna give us five blessings. This God who's on our side, this God who calls us friend. The first is he says, fear not. This is a command, fear not. Do you ever find it hard to, to, to not fear? Well, the reason that he gives is followed by the first promise. Because I am with you. We are not like the other nations. We are not like other people. We're not like coworkers and family members who don't know God. We have God on our side and he's saying, fear not because I am with you. 
The God who has chosen us, loves us, and is with us, and this is a big deal, and this should, this should dictate how we operate in our lives because we have God. The second command is he says, be not dismayed. Be not dismayed. And if you're anything like me, I, I kind of have an idea of what dismayed means, but I kind of wanted to look it up so I wasn't lying to you. Dismayed means upset, worried, or discouraged. You know, sometimes it's easy to understand, okay, God, you're on my side, I get it, but I can still be upset by a situation or a circumstance. Something can jar me, it can, can force me to be dismayed. You see, when the people of God forget the greatness of God, it's easy for us to be more focused on the situation. Let me give you a prime example. I see Bede here with me this morning. When I was dating her sister, who I later married, uh, Bede and I used to go watch scary movies together. And um, I remember one time watching a movie. Um, I think it was called Paranormal, Paranormal Activity. We were so terrified that we're like holding on tight to each other, right? I'm sure popcorn had spilled everywhere. It was a scary movie. But you know what's funny about scary movies is she and I knew that it was a movie. We knew that it was shot on a movie set. We knew that they were actors. We knew that we, whatever was gonna happen in that movie, we were gonna walk home. Somebody wasn't gonna come out of the movie screen and like try to kill us. But isn't it funny how when we focus so much on what may or may not be reality, it's easy to be influenced by that. So much so, I don't know who was sitting in which seat. We were all like tangled up. We were terrified. Situations have that ability, but what God is saying is do not be dismayed. Do not be influenced by some situation. Don't, be, don't, don't let it inform you. He's saying, I am your God. I am with you. And he's saying, hey, remember me? Remember me, the God of all honor and all glory, the one who created all that's around you, the one who was faithful in the past, who's gonna be faithful today and faithful tomorrow? Remember that, God, I'm right here. Do not be dismayed. So you see, he gives us two commands. Don't fear and do not be dismayed. And then here are the five promises. We talked about the first two. I'm with you and I am your God. And I was reminded of a, of a little kid who went to bed and, and at, at night his mom was putting him down and there was a thunderstorm outside and a loud crack of thunder happened. And he said, Mama, would you please stay with me tonight? And she kind of smiled. She tucked him in. She said, no, I have to stay with your daddy tonight. And after a long pause, he thought to himself, and he rolled over and said, that big sissy. <laughs> Having, knowing that someone's there makes all the difference. I remember when any of my kids went through some sort of scary moment, one of the things that I always like to do as their dad is scoop them up and say, it's okay, daddy's here. Because I knew that's what I would want to hear. Um, and so I've always done that. And there's something about knowing that our father is there. And what he's telling us today is he is there. You don't have to be afraid. He's with you. But here are some of the others. He says, I will help you. This is what he says in verse 10, I will help you. I love that I don't have to figure this out. Part of our fear is we don't know how things are gonna work out, 
right? We don't know what tomorrow's gonna bring. We don't know how our, our, our situation's gonna work. How, God, how are you gonna deliver me out of this mess? But God's saying, I will help you. I, I have found out through my life that God is a much better source of help than either myself. I often make a mess of things. God is perfect. God is just. He knows the future. He says he's going to help us. Man, that's a promise. That is a promise. The next, he says, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I can't help but hear this and think immediately of Jesus, right? The Bible says that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Romans 8, 34, Jesus at the right hand of the Father, and he is indeed interceding for us. He says he's going to withhold us with that righteous right hand. And righteous, uh, 1 Corinthians 1.30 says that Jesus is the wisdom of God and he is his righteousness and sanctification and redemption. When God says he's gonna uphold us with his righteous right hand, we have to know that he sent his son Jesus who will deliver us. No matter what fear says, we need to say in the face of fear, I'm focusing on Jesus. I'm focusing on Jesus. And honestly, we need to focus on a better deal. If we can give him two and he can give us five, that works out. That works out. Take a look at verse 11. Behold, all who are incensed against you shall be put to shame and confounded. Those who strive against you shall be as nothing and shall perish. You shall seek those who contend with you, but you shall not find them. Those who war against you shall be nothing at all. I want you to key on this word all. You see, there are different fears that we struggle with in this audience, but the Bible says all, all, all who are incensed, incensed against you. I do want to tell you that there, there's two types of fear that I was looking up. There is legitimate fear. That's when like you're home alone and you're going downstairs to get a cup of coffee and there's someone standing in your kitchen. That's legitimate fear, right? That's like, uh, you shouldn't be there. I'm running back upstairs. That's legitimate fear. But then there's irrational fear. These are things like um, um, fear of heights, uh, public speaking. Uh, a fear of public speaking doesn't necessarily impact everyone, but for whatever reason, it impacts some. I say that as somebody who, when I did my first sermon, I was sweating like crazy, I turned all red. And Matt asked me today, how do you do it? I was like, man, I don't know. You just kind of, you, you do get used to it the more that you do it. But I've known people that literally uh, will not do public speaking at all. In fact, if you take a class and they have to do a project, they just fail. Right? Like they're not going to do that. Uh, I remember my, my son-in-law, or my son-in-law, oh gosh. <laughs> my nephew, Kevin. Oh, that's a fear. Woo! <laughs> My nephew, Kevin, I remember one time we asked him to come and read scripture and that boy wasn't even phased. Where's Kevin? There's Kevin. Yeah, he wasn't even phased. He's like, yeah, I'll do it. And I was trying to give him all these tips and hints and I was sharing with him the first time he just. But then some people get up here and it's just, it's irrational why it impacts some and it doesn't impact others. Roaches, why does that bother B? We don't know. It's irrational. But here's the thing, whether it's legitimate the guy that's coming up the stairs to get you, or it's a spider or a snake or anything else, whether it's irrational, the Bible says that all these things, all, all. So we're all in good company because no matter what your fear is, the Bible says all. And look, 
All who are incensed shall be put to shame and confounded. What's coming against you will be exposed as not having the power that we thought it had. I want to tell you one time I packed up, you know, when the girls, um, when your kids kind of get out of certain toys, you kind of box them up. You don't want to necessarily throw them away. They're good toys. So what do you do? You stick them in the attic. Um, I remember putting a box of toys in the attic and I forgot about them. Well, one night I hear a baby crying. (laughs) That terrified me because I couldn't identify where the baby was coming from. I thought my house was haunted. And I remember one time, like it happened multiple times. And it's like one of these things, like you're on your knees, Lord, deliver us from, you know, you're anointing the, with oil. Like you're just really afraid. And one time I was getting something out of the attic and I heard something. I went up there and couldn't you believe the laugh that I had when I realized that all of this fear and terror was caused by a toy that just decided to work at random times. But I think that's what the Bible is talking about here is whether it's legitimate fear or whether it's irrational fear, God says, I'm gonna expose everything that comes against you. And it's just, what's the language here? It shall be put to shame and confounded. You better believe I threw that baby downstairs into the trash. And those who strive against you shall be nothing at all. But you might be here this morning, you say, Chris, we're having a lot of fun and we're talking about things, but you don't know. See, Michelle's fear, it it created an identity. And you may be saying, what I'm dealing with is not funny. And, And the fear that we may be dealing with may have established a kingdom in your life. Something that rules over you and you wanna pursue God, but this kingdom is firmly established. Well, I came across a theologian that said that the the, the verses 11 and 12 have already, this, this prophecy has already been fulfilled. A theologian by the last name Scott said, this prediction has already been fulfilled in the ruin of the Egyptian, the Assyrian, the Chaldean, the Macedonian, and the Roman empires, which we now seek for in vain. The glory of the four former and scarcely any of the last can be found while the church still grows and still strengthens. I shall establish my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let me tell you, if there is a kingdom in your life that has established itself as fear, I'm telling you, Egypt was a strong kingdom. The Assyrians were a strong kingdom. The Macedonians, the Romans, any, you name them, and where are they today? God rises and falls kingdoms. He can do the same thing in your life today. I'm glad you said amen. That was like, whew. When we face fear, we need to have a right perspective. And here's the perspective. Fear cannot stand in view of truth. God's word, God's word is what we need to equip ourselves in the face of fear. And lastly, I want to share verse 13 with you. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. Now, I need my special assistant to come here. I want, there's something here. In verse 10, God said, come right here, Jonah, right here. In verse 10, God said, I will hold you with my right hand. But in verse 13, did you notice what he said? For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand. And I couldn't help, when I read this, I thought to myself, 
okay, he's going to hold us with his right hand, and then he's going to hold us, he's going to hold our right hand. And I want you to get an image of what this looks like, Jonah. So, so here I, I, I'm going to be God, and you're going to be me. You're a more handsome me, but come here. He's, he can pick me up, right? But look at this. God's right hand is holding my right hand. That's what the word says. But look at this intimate posture that God says, I don't want you to fear. Know that I'm with you. And right here, he's saying, Chris, I'm going to go with you no matter what. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to help you. And I love you. Jonah, no matter what you go through, your father is going to go through it with you. This is what God is saying. This is what God is saying. Now, he could do this, a right hand and a left hand, but he didn't say that. He said, my right hand is going to hold your right hand. Whatever you go through, we're going to go through together. Isn't that a good God? Isn't that a good God? And this is an intimate posture. This is, this is something saying, I'm going to help you. I'm going to strengthen you. And you just need to focus right here. Good job, model. This is also the second time that he says, fear not. Why does God repeat things? Why do you repeat things to your children? Because they're important. And if we look at the whole context of this chapter, he's going to say it in verse 14 will be the third time. And I can't help but understand when things show up three times in scripture, that is because it's fulfilled. That's because it's completed. God exists in three persons for a reason, because he's complete. Jesus, when he told Peter to, to feed his sheep, he told him three times. Remember, he denied him three times, and then he wanted him to know three times, I'm going to restore you, Peter. When God does things three times, it's for a reason. And here in our context, he's going to say, fear not three times so that we will hear him. And he will, we will know, God, I can trust you. I can believe you. Lord, I'm going to rest in you, and I'm going to focus on you, and I'm not going to focus on my fear. When we face fear, we need to remember God is here and now. We don't need to trust our own strength. We don't need to trust some relationship or a drug. We don't need some 12-step program. We need an ever-present heavenly father. Amen? There's three truths that I want you to leave with today. The first one is this. Be reminded that you are God's and God is yours. Psalm 103 says this. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made you and you are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. God takes ownership of you. Romans 14, eight, for if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Guys, you have to understand the context of this scripture is those who don't have God and those who do. That's what this is all about. And I want to be submitted and surrendered to my Lord and Savior. That's what he's talking about is a personal relationship where his right hand is holding my right hand and we're looking at each other and he's communicating to me daily, Chris, I've got you. Chris, you don't need to worry about it. Don't fear, I am your God. The second thing is to focus on him. You see, the, 
the people in verses one through seven, they probably were had God at some times and didn't have God at some times. There's too many people that we know that know God and they know, they, they, they speak about a God that they don't know anything about. There's too many people that are too comfortable with, with a holy God. But this is a lifetime of a sanctification process where I can come into relationship with him. I need to focus on him daily. I don't need to be in control of my life. I wanna surrender that to who he is. And I'll promise you, if there's fear that we're working through, we've given it some sort of authority in our life. It's a kingdom. And God said, you look at me. I have the power to fall kingdoms. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. I don't know about you, but there are times in my life I need to know that God is singing over me. And lastly, this, have a right perspective. You are not verses one through seven. You are eight through 13. You are a people who know God. This is a story of who has and who hasn't. But I will tell you, I believe there are some people who don't have God in here. But that can change today. You either have God as your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, or you don't. And everything we've talked about, this help, ever-present help and trust, this is Jesus. You have to accept him, right? Even those promises, he said, you give me two, I will give you five. But it requires something on your part. And I want to go back to those words from Jesus in John 15. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And I thought immediately, Lord, what are, Jesus, what are you commanding us to do? And I thought of Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who are weary. Let me put my yoke upon you. You see, there are too many people we visually know who God is. We've heard a few sermons, but we've never come to Jesus. We've never got down at the altar and said, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. So there's two groups that I'm talking to this morning. You, if you've not accepted Jesus, today's the day. What are you waiting on? Tomorrow's not promised. But then there are others that you're like, Chris, I, yes, I am, but, but fear dictates my life. I don't like to go to the beach because fear runs rampant. When I see a roach, fear grabs a hold of me. When, when the acceptance of others, what my mom's gonna say, what my dad's gonna say, what my boss is gonna say, all of these things, I want you today to respond to this sermon. If that's you, I want you to come. We're gonna invite the prayer partners up and I want, you to, I want you to confess that, Lord, I, there is a kingdom in my life of fear, and I want to surrender it to you. So the prayer partners are going to be up for two reasons. One, because you want to know this Jesus, this God that we're talking about, who is there that wants to hold your right hand. And then two, because you want to surrender something that's had authority in your life. Amen? Will you pray with me? 
We hope you are encouraged and challenged by what you heard today. If you'd like more information about Champion Forest Baptist Church, our service times, or how you can get connected, visit us at championforest.org. Thanks so much. Have a great day, and God bless.